Hey everyone, and welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation and communication. And we are excited to welcome back our guest for today's show, Brian Kilmeade. Brian is a political commentator for Fox News, the host of the Brian Kilmeade Show and One Nation and co-host of Fox and Friends. Brian is a public speaker, historian, and author of multiple best-selling books. Uh, Honored to have you back on the podcast, Brian. Thanks for having me on, Kent. Great to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Uh, now, uh, the last time you joined us, uh, you had just released the book, The President and the Freedom Fighter, and, and it's a story about Abraham Lincoln and, and Frederick Douglass and both of their efforts to progress our nation out of slavery. You're actually re-releasing this book with a new epilogue. What's new with the, uh, the new epilogue? I kind of bring it up to, uh, to date and the, the big push right now as we tape this on Columbus Day. Yes, they're boxing up Columbus. All right, let's get rid of Columbus, right? Because he wasn't a perfect ruler, mm. but as a explorer, he was one of the best ever, and just simply changed the world. So let's get rid of him. Uh, let's take uh, Frederick Douglass. Two years ago, they took his statue out of the ground. Some vandals, and uh, we still don't have to go to the bottom of it. And there's still some talk of the freedom uh, statue that he dedicated in 1876. He was asked to do that over Ulysses S. Grant by. Uh, the government at the time, Grant's like, he knew uh, he was tight with President Lincoln, let him dedicate the statue. Uh, and then in Boston, they took out a replica of it. And in Washington, they decided to leave it up at the last minute. The Frederick Douglass Foundation wants to do it. So I thought, why not just do it about what's happening today in society, about the very men that we outlined? And then you talk about uh, Lincoln being taken off grammar schools around the country mm -hmm. because he was for equality. I mean, he was for freedom. He wasn't for equality initially. He would evolve like everybody else in this world. So I thought I'll add that. Bring bring the news to the history. Yeah, yeah. And one of you know, one of the central themes, I think, and I love the way that you've sliced this pie of history, is letting people really understand the nuances of these two great men, specifically how they had such different agreements about how we're gonna get through this and how we're gonna progress. Can you tell us a little bit about the disagreement that they had about the Constitution and then where did they end up at the end? I mean, they he uh you know, you're you're a victim of your times. You're, you're somebody, uh, if you grow up in 2008, Barack Obama said uh, marriage between a man and a woman. And 2012, he said, if you don't believe a same-sex marriage, you're a horrible person. And, mm. and all of a sudden, you should be vilified and sanctioned or, or banished or canceled. Yeah. So yeah. back in that society, you grew up and you heard over and over again that uh, whites were, uh, uh, blacks were inferior to whites. Mm -hmm. And that's what the uh, life he grew up in. He thought slavery was wrong, like most people of those of that day, but they thought equality was in coming. Mm -hmm. By the time he was done, equality was there. When Frederick Douglass, born a slave, never knowing his parents, he was for equality right away. The more education he got, the more I realized how ridiculous and folly it was to think that a man or woman is different because of the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. So it took a while for Lincoln. And then having said that, society wasn't there. You rule a country... You just can't will what you believe on a country. Right. We're seeing that now with abortion. Right. You might think it'd be zero weeks, never and always. But if you represent a blue state, you're not going to get elected and you're not representing the will of the people. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he was somebody who uh, Frederick Douglass was upset. He's like, Emancipation Proclamation right now. Give us guns and uniforms. Let us fight for our freedom. And Lincoln said, not only wouldn't he do that, he said, if I can get the South to come back in, you could keep your slaves. Right. I just got to keep this country right. together. Yeah. Right. And that drove Douglas crazy because yep. he had a newspaper at the time. And obviously 
a personal stake in freedom. Mm -hmm. And then by the time it's done, Lincoln is working with Douglas hand in hand, mm -hmm. not only to let African Americans into the army, but make them officers, make their pay equal. Mm -hmm. And then uh, free the whole country. Yeah, and I love that. You know, you just hit on one of the great quotes I think from Lincoln's leadership, um, and it's in his letter to Horace Greeley, right? Like mm -hmm. another abolitionist. Um, and I'll paraphrase it here. He said in his letter, "As the policy I seem to be pursuing, as you meant, I I don't want to leave anyone in doubt. I would save the Union. I would save it the shortest way possible under the Constitution. My paramount objective in the struggle is to save the Union, is not to either save or destroy slavery." And he said that while having the Emancipation Proclamation already written. Why do you think he said that? Why was he so public about his end goal, even though he knew he had to get rid of slavery? Well, slavery was in every continent, as you guys know. Yeah. We didn't invent it. We didn't get rid of it. But we certainly didn't invent it. It was everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the Indians had slaves. The American Indians had slaves themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in Africa, there were slaves in Africa. Blacks had black slaves. Mm -hmm. So when he was unable to get rid of that and the country was unwilling to do that, and they know that if he just said, okay, every African-American is free, the whole Southern economy would, would crash. The country's economy would crash because they, they were depending on that free labor, as horrific as that sounds to us today. Mm -hmm. So that's the fact he's living with. He looked out there and said, I, I got to get this country back together. I'm a failed leader before he even took office. Uh, mm -hmm. Seven states had just seceded. Goodbye. Yeah, right. So how do I do that? Let me talk you back into it. What would it take to get you back in? What if I told you you can keep your slaves? Still nothing? Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to fight to make you come back in. Mm -hmm. And after some initial success from the South, we know how this whole thing ended. Mm -hmm. But we needed, as, as you would know through our history, we don't win our wars, have our success, or the country without African-American support. Right. Mm -hmm. We're actually holding the guns and winning. World War I, mm -hmm. Spanish-American War, obviously in the Civil War. So they were able to fight for their freedom and fight for a country that they wanted to be a part of. I thought it was also remarkable that Frederick Douglass would, even though he was born a slave and African-Americans were seen as second-class citizens at the most, he still wanted to be an American. Right. Mm -hmm. He had no interest in going back anywhere else. When they talk about colonization and mm -hmm. Lincoln apologizing to blacks and saying, hey, sorry about this. Generations before, they took you out of your homeland. Why don't you go back? Here's some money. And yeah. instead of Frederick Douglass saying, great idea, he was horrified by it. He said, mm -hmm. I'm an American. What are you talking about? Well, mm -hmm. I'm here to make this country better. Right. So yeah. that's, when you mentioned, you initially said, when did these guys mm -hmm. fight? There was sparring from afar mm -hmm. on these issues. Love it. Yeah. You know, Lincoln is such a, <laughs> an iconic figure in American history, arguably one of the best uh, leaders that has ever lived, especially in the industrial era. What are some of the qualities that you think every leader needs to model? They can they can learn from Lincoln's leadership. Listen, Lincoln, like one thing that Frederick Douglass talked about after their first meeting, he wrote about it. Lincoln didn't write it. Said uh, I was it was incredible how engaged he was, how he listened to everything I had to say, and would probe me with questions rather than his beliefs. Mm. So I think that's yeah. what a leader does: He's secure enough to ask the questions and not be afraid of the answer, and then listen and also be open to changing your answer. Yeah. And that's one thing about Lincoln, so secure, so bright, probably a genius, um, and was able to so secure and listen and saying, OK, I don't know everything. And I think that I find and maybe you guys find the more you think, you know, uh, yeah. the more you, you don't know. Like right. I'm, I'm more open to learning now than ever. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I know I don't know everything. So I'm more than interested in learning. And I don't consider it uh, I don't consider it a 
a, a negative mark to say, I didn't know that. Right. And that's what Lincoln was like, too. Yeah, that's good. You know, another theme in the book is you talk about how each leader changed each other through their dialogue. Can you talk a little bit about what uh, that change was? Well, they, they met each other face-to-face uh, three times. It was supposed to meet at a different time, but they weren't able to uh, to do that. And if they were able to, I believe, dialogue through the 1960s, we wouldn't have needed the 1960s. Right. Okay. Because if you compare Grant to Lincoln to Douglas, you take those three different skill sets and the respect they had for each other and what they thought they all knew they had to do with the country, uh, we wouldn't even, you obviously wouldn't have had Jim Crow, I don't right. believe. Yeah, yeah. And there would have been more force and more upheaval maybe not even need the KKK. Uh, we never needed a KKK, but this evil group was allowed to prop up because mm-hmm. we were unable to control the whole country even after the Civil War. Yeah. But uh, through their dialogue, I think that Lincoln was open to saying, you know, he looked back at some of the stuff that he wrote, and Frederick Douglass was horrified. You'd be horrified. Mm-hmm. So they talked about, even Ben Franklin talked about, yeah, blacks and whites aren't equal, but we have to have a heart and slavery is wrong. Mm-hmm. And he, by the time Frederick uh, Benjamin Franklin was done with his life, he was the leading abolitionist in the country. Mm-hmm. He walked into a few classrooms, saw black and white, he saw black uh, kids learning, realized how they were picking up the same as white kids. And even though as basic as it sounded, that's when he realized it's just a matter of opportunity and education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what Lincoln learned to understand. And that's what Frederick Douglass learned to show the whole country and the world, whole right. world. Europe was a little bit ahead of us in that. So I think that Frederick Douglass kind of dragged Lincoln along, but the rest of the country at the same time. But once Lincoln got there, he was all there. Yeah. So he wasn't going to tolerate any of this inequality. And this is such a great story about how you can change your perspective without changing your principles, right? Like Lincoln's principle never changed. He wanted to preserve the Union, save the Union as best as he could across the board, even as he allowed his perspective on this issue of equality to change and grow. How can we today, our society apply the same thing, right? Right and left, we both have our principles that we believe in, but maybe we need to let our perspectives change and grow. How can we engage in that? Uh, number one, talk about uh, how we fought together in all these wars. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've, a segregated army is nothing to be proud of, but it t- if you look back at how separate we were and you see how close we are, it's almost insulting to previous generations to mm. say, look around and say we're an endemic racist society. I mean, the integration, I, I think the numbers were off the top of my head. Of 1960s, 5% of the country thought interracial marriage was uh, acceptable. Mm. And I think maybe 80 or 95 percent of the country thinks susceptible now right i mean the amount of progress we made is 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 just something to be proud of right. you, want to make, yeah. you want to take the last lap make the last sprint you know mm-hmm. whatever whatever needs to to perfect our culture faster than anybody else but people are always going to have proclivity to people who are like them whether it's family or friends understood mm-hmm. you might have a proclivity to people who graduated from the school you graduated with yeah. who went to the same high school as you are you biased no you're right. looking to relate to people. Right. So that's different from I will never hire a Spanish person, black person, right. white person, woman. Mm-hmm. I think, dude, it's great progress that we've made. I think we talk way too much about skin color and race. Right. It's almost that people are benefiting from it. Why is that so necessary? Yeah. Oh, the black's going to vote this way. The white's going to vote this way. The uh, white women with college education will vote this way. And I understand if I am a political operative and Marco Rubio hires me to find out how to win my Senate race. Okay. I got to look at that. I need the pie charts, but why is everybody else? Yeah. Why aren't we just looking at, I want to go to that school. 
Right. You know, I want to, I want to go to, I want to work at that place. Uh, I want to live in that neighborhood. Why whites don't live here? Blacks live there. 10% of the people do. I just think it just is more negative than anything else. It makes people so racially aware all the time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're going to close our our conversation out uh, with our fire round. We just want to ask you a few quick questions surrounding kind of everything that we've discussed and, and just grab some of that practical and applicable pieces of advice for our our listeners. So let's begin. I'll Michael, you fire away with the first one. Love it. Love it. And this isn't your first book that you've put out about great historical moments. In your opinion, why should people be good um, who want to be good leaders study history? Uh, very simple, uh, why reinvent the wheel? Mm-hmm. You know, if there's these people that have had these tremendous successes that stand out through time, there's a reason. They made the human all-star team, the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. So how did they get there? Well, do you want to play, do you want to get there? How did they do it? Success leaves clues, and that's fundamentally it. So take what Lincoln can offer, what Washington can offer, what Alexander Hamilton can offer, and say, okay, that's not me. This is me. Well, I mm-hmm. can take a little from this, a little from that, you have your own personality, your own background, your own mm-hmm. uh, your own upbringing, and then you factor that in to get you through different times. I just think that life is so much more exciting and interesting mm-hmm. if you can learn from other people, yeah. and how boring it would be to think you know it all. Yeah, it. yeah. and you know you have these great coaches. So many times, sports mm-hmm. gives you gives you life uh, in a nutshell, mm-hmm. quickly under pressure uh, to see teams come together, teams fall apart. Um, to see how people act under pressure, how they excel. What do they do? How do they handle it? Just because you're not a baseball player, if you watch someone handle a, a, a very combustible moment with great composure uh, and you don't think you can learn from that, well, what do they do? How, how does their, their heart beat slower right. when everyone else's beat faster? Yeah. So how could you not want to learn from Joe Montana and Derek Jeter and right. people like that, even if you don't want to play baseball? If you want to find out how to motivate men, maybe you could find out as a colonel, Washington made a lot of uh, mistakes. And as a general, you learn from those mistakes and it all plays out. And I think that by looking at their process, you can hit the accelerator buses on your uh, accelerator button on your growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, part of our mission at SEU is is empowering our students in life, learning and leadership. And you've researched the lives and moments of so many leaders from American history. What are some of the common qualities between them all when it comes to leadership? Uh, I think humility, and they're also fallible. I think the one thing I found out is nobody walks on water. Mm, I mean, you find out, if you want to go out and find the negative about somebody in history, you will find it. Uh, But you also, if you look at the process and understand what their great qualities are, you could highlight it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And that's, you have a choice almost throughout history. And I, we don't have the uh, we don't have the market cornered on presentism. Mm-hmm. You know, we're watching what's happened in the UK. We're watching statues come down in France. Well, you know, they they don't know what they're doing, taking down a king statue or Napoleon statue or both. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in these open cultures, people are being very judgmental. I think the one thing I found out is these people are human. They make mistakes, but it's how quickly they recover from it. Mm-hmm. And and learn from. Yeah. So that, I think that's the one thing that stands out uh, for me. Love it. Love it. Last question for uh, for us, and we'll close out our time together. What's next for you? What are, What's the next historical moment or leader that you're studying? I'm studying two, Booker T. Washington and Teddy Roosevelt, how they work together to accelerate uh, America's racial progress. Wow. And two guys, you know, people think that Roosevelt, they must have been rich. Well, as you guys know, mm-hmm. Teddy Roosevelt went through hell as a kid. They didn't right. think he was going to survive. He had uh, no friends, couldn't interact with other kids. He had asthma, mm. sickly, 
They tried every revolutionary medicine they could. Um, he also had somebody who was, his wife and mother died within a few weeks of each other. Mm. Um, had to go through mental, uh, the mental emotional fatigue yeah. of that. And then when he became a, this, this great leader, the first thing he did is try to find other people like Booker T. Washington. And if you grew up in a white society in the 1920s and 1910s, a lot of people would say, oh, you don't want to, you know, no one's looking to the African-American community. Well, uh, Roosevelt recognized greatness in Booker T. Washington, and who's, I cannot tell you, you cannot read his biographies, his autobiography, and not be in awe of what he was able to foresee and what he was able to do in a very polarized America. So the way they work together to move America forward, I think, would be a good project that I'm working on now. Love yeah. it. Can't wait when, for that. When, when are you uh, re-releasing the book? When is it coming out? Uh, it comes out October 25th. Okay. Uh, it's paperback, so it makes it cheaper, and we give you more information, which brings you to the Freedom Statue uh, that's in Washington, D.C. right now. And it brings you to Frederick Douglass coming out in uh, statue coming out of the ground in Rochester Okay. Uh, because of the George Floyd riots. To me— you should build extra statues of Frederick Douglass during the George Floyd yeah, riots. Right. You exactly. Take them down. Exactly. Wow. Hey, Brian, thank you for joining us today on Framework Leadership. Grateful for your insight. Man, uh, love reading your books, powerful books. And, uh, and we want to ur- urge everyone to, to get the books. Uh, and where, where's the best place they can get? Uh, Amazon? Well, if any- they want it, yeah, if they want it autographed, I worked out a deal with my local bookstore. Mm-hmm. So you go to briankillme.com, click okay. on, I can personalize it for you for the holidays. Excellent. Wow, that's great. All right. Hey, if you want to stay up to date with Brian, you can follow him on Facebook and Twitter at Killmead. Again, thanks for joining us today, Brian. Uh, go get him, guys. Thank you so much. Sorry, Cam. Bye, Mike. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today on Framework Leadership. If you're watching on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your YouTube feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Ingle at Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Ingle. And hey, if you love great email newsletters, and I know that I do, you want to check out the Framework Leadership newsletter every single Friday, drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com. Make sure you hop onto there. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.